Hello, everyone. This is Alex Barthet with the Lean Zone podcast. Today is part three of our three-part series where we are rebroadcasting my presentation at the Miami Construction Forum uh, of a presentation titled Negotiate Like a Boss, Seven Tips to Score the Best Construction Contract Terms. If you're in the Miami area, check out miamiconstructionforum.com to look at our upcoming list of events Uh, For the entire year of 2024, they're all there on the website. RSVP will send you an invite. Let's get started. Tip number six, secure your lien and bond rights. The first people to get paid on a job that is in trouble are those subcontractors and suppliers that have secured their lien rights or secured their bond rights. You need to do it. We have three clients on a job in town that the owner has run out of money. The contractor has sent a letter to all of the subs saying the owner has told us he has run out of money. Please demobilize from the job. We will get back to you. Now, the contractor has a pay when paid provision in his contract with all the subs, and he did not post a bond. So the contractor has no risk. So three clients called me. Client number one, uh, I need you to put a lien on the property. Okay, let's do it. Send me your notice to owner. Oh, we didn't send one. I'm not a magician, right? I can't do anything with that. Client number two, we sent our notice when they sent us the letter, but we started two months ago. Also, nothing I can do. Client number three, of course, did everything right. in part because they use Ariella Sunray back there to do their notices. Uh, And the lien is going to go on the property. And now we can't help the fact that they may have no money and maybe the lien is worthless, but at least we're at the top of the list. So of the three clients I represent, we've got one that's in the game and two that are not even in the, they're not even in the ballpark. Um, So you got to protect your lien rights. So, I want to go over it briefly because it always is worth repeating what the steps are to secure your lien rights. Many of you may know the rules. We're going to go over it. Step one, within 45 days of your first work, you need to serve your notice to owner. If you are a sub, a sub-sub, a supplier, or a uh, supplier to a sub-sub. This does not apply if you have a direct contract with the owner. So if I am the GC on a job, I don't need to serve the notice to owner doesn't hurt. There's no downside to doing it, but it's not required. Step two, within 90 days of your last work, you must record your claim of lien. You can record a lien while you are working. People, some people think, well, I got to wait till I finish. No, I'm on the job. It's 30% done. I'm not happy with the owner and the contractor. I want to start putting some pressure on them. Record a lien. You don't have to wait until you're done. Step three, within 15 days of recording the lien, It needs to be served on all interested parties. Step four, if you have a direct contract with an owner, you need to serve what's called the contractor's final affidavit at least five days before step number five, which is filing your lawsuit. So if I'm a GC on a job, I record my lien, I also have to serve a contractor's final affidavit. This contractor's final affidavit just says, I'm the contractor, you're the owner, this is how much money I'm owed, and here are the people that I still owe money to. Again, We see some confusion. If you're a plumber, subcontractor, 
80% of the time, 90% of the time, but 10% you get hired by owners. Well, in that 10%, if you lean, you need this contractor's final affidavit. Um, and then the last step, within, within one year of the recording date of the claim of lien, you need to file your lawsuit to foreclose on the lien. You cannot re-record the lien. That is not a thing. The lien does not stay on the property past a year. It's in the public record, but it has no legal effect. I do not suggest you wait a year, but that is the outside limit of the time that you have to foreclose on your lien. Okay, let's talk about securing your bond rights. Step one, within 45 days of your first work, you need to serve your notice to contractor if you are a sub-sub, a supplier, or a sub to a sub-sub. So again, if the job is bonded because the general contractor posted a payment bond because maybe the job was a public job, so most public jobs are bonded, many large private jobs are bonded by the GC. It does not apply if you have a direct contract with the bonded contractor. So if I am the uh, HVAC contractor and my contract is direct with the bonded contractor, I don't need to send this first notice. But my supplier does for them to have rights on the GC's payment bond. Step two, within 90 days of your last work, you must serve your notice, to, uh, your notice of non-payment. It's like the cousin of the lien. It's a separate form, signed and notarized. It is served, not recorded. That's got to be done within 90 days of your last work. Step three, within one year from your last date of work, you need to file suit on the payment bond. I don't think you should wait a year. In my experience, if a bonding company, upon receipt of your notice of non-payment, doesn't pay you within 30 or 60 days, you should sue them right there. Because what they're doing is they're waiting for the contractor to pay you. They're bonded contractor, right? So the surety doesn't want to write a check to you and then go to their contractor and say, reimburse me. So when they get your notice of non-payment, they go to the contractor and they say, hey, contractor, what do you want to do with this? And the contractor, if they're big, they say, ah, we don't want to do anything with it. And then the surety writes back to you and they say, we are investigating. And then you write back to them in two or three months and they say, we're still investigating. And they're not doing anything. They're just waiting until, if they're lucky enough, one year from your last work so that they never have to pay you. So be careful that you don't fall into that trap. All right, tip number seven, follow the contract. You've now executed the contract. You've negotiated it, it's signed, you've served all your preliminary notices to secure your lien rights. Now you have to do what the contract says that you were gonna do. I'm not talking about your scope, I'm talking about all the little details. And the two biggest ones we see clients make mistakes on are the notice provisions and the change order provisions. We're gonna talk about each very quickly. We'll talk about notices first. You agreed that if you had a claim or something went wrong, you were going to give them five days, 72 hours, seven days, written notice of that claim. So you show up to the job site, and you know the area that you need to work on is not ready. And it looks like it's not going to be ready for like a month. Guess what? You need to send a written notice pursuant to the terms of your contract about what you just saw. That would constitute, probably under your contract, a claim. So make sure you follow all of the notice provisions in your contract. Some of them are rather arcane. It says, you must serve notice via certified mail to this specific address. You know, maybe the first one that you send, you don't have to, you, you, you decide to short circuit and just send an email. 
But when you realize like the shit's hitting the fan, you need to pull out the contract and you need to follow those steps. We don't want to be in court and the judge says, well, did you send notice? Yeah, well, yeah, here's my text message. And they say, well, this said you have to send certified mail notice. So make sure you follow what the contract says. And the big one is change orders. Change orders are big. You all fall into the trap of being nice guys, right? You want to get the job done. So what do you do? You get that directive, that price to price and proceed, the clouded drawings, uh, and they say, get started, send us a price, we're ready to go. Um, and you've got this relationship with this contractor. They're not going to screw me. Um, and then you get to the closeout meeting and they say, uh, did, did you get this signed? No, we don't have this signed change order. We, we can't pay you for this change order. So here's what you're going to do. It's very easy, okay? It really is, I promise. And you just need to do it a few times at the beginning of the job and it will solve many of your problems. Your contract says something like this. You can only do change order work if you have a signed change order. So when you get the request from the other side, you're going to say, I would love to do this work, but I need a signed change order. It, it's not my rules. These are your rules. Like, this is your contract. You said that this is what I have to do in order to do this change order work. Because right here it says if I do it without a signed change order, you're not going to pay me. And I got, I got kids in college. I can't, I can't make that work. My, my answer to you is very simple, is you go back to them and say, well, then let's amend the contract that says that you're not going to not pay me when we don't have a signed change order. Because again, these are, this, this is your contract. It says if I do this work without a signed change order, you are not going to pay me. You have told me that from the beginning. I do not want to not be paid. I need to be paid. So how do you want to deal with this? Push it back on them to, to, to deal with it. They want to bully you to do the work without executed documents because either they're lazy or they're being deceptive because then they know they can go back later and say, well, nothing was signed. I guess we don't have to pay you. Uh, last tip. Give me one second, G. Bonus tip. Document, document, document. Absolutely critical. The... Uh, Documents that you keep during the course of the job are going to allow you to win the project closeout meeting or any subsequent case. The more documents you have, the better off you are. So when you get to that closeout meeting at the end of the job, guess what? You have all the signed change orders because you, you uh, demanded them. You have emails indicating all of the problems on the job. You have tons of photos and videos of the job site not being available no access for your trucks when they promise you access to your trucks. Uh, all of those issues are now fully documented in emails, in meeting minutes, and in photos and videos. If all you're doing is sending texts, it is time to upgrade your notices from text messages to emails. So it's not that it's, it's not proper. It's just a lot harder to deal with when you're dealing with text messages. The other benefit of emails is now you, you can include everybody in the email. So you're going to send it to the super, but guess who you're going to copy? You're going to copy the, the general super, the interior super. You're going to copy the, the PX, the VP. You're going to copy all these people when you send your notice. Now, everyone has it. So when you get to the closeout meeting and they say, well, we didn't know this. We didn't approve it. Well, guess what? Here's seven emails I sent. You got them all.
You were on them. Uh, confirm conversations via email. If it's not in writing, it didn't happen. If it's not in writing, it didn't happen. Okay? Things people promise you that are not in writing did not happen at the closeout meeting and in court. So you need to put important conversations in an email. Review meeting minutes. You go to meetings, someone's keeping meet, meeting minutes. Have you looked at those meeting minutes? What do they say? Do you agree with what it says? Did they write something in the meeting minutes that didn't actually get said at the meeting? You need to ask to see them. If what is in the meeting minutes are incorrect or incomplete, you need to send an email. I was at the meeting. I reviewed the meeting minutes. You said that we were going to man the job with 20 people. I told you we would man the, the, the job with 10 people this week, 15 people the week after, and 20 people the week after that. That's what I said. And then that's what you're going to document. Because if you don't contest the meeting minutes, the meeting minutes will control. We represented an owner who was in a fight with a GC. And the owner was in control of the meeting minutes. And every meeting, we would write the, the owner's rep would write down, contractor confirms completion date of March 1st. Every meeting minute. Every meeting for months. Well, guess what? Job was late. We go to court. Contractor says, we never said that. Well, the judge is looking at these meeting minutes month after month. They didn't send emails contesting the meeting minutes. They don't have emails suggesting otherwise. They have their own schedules that say something different. But why are you not saying it at the meeting? Uh, if that, in fact, is your position. So don't ignore meeting minutes. They are very important. And then lots of pictures. Some people, you get kind of uh, myopic in your view of the meeting of the photos and you just want to take pictures of your scope I would suggest to you every once in a while take pictures of the project outside common areas things that are happening around there have been many times when the issue in the case turns out to be something not directly related to like the area that you're working and you don't have pictures of kind of other things that are happening in the job so don't just take, most of your pictures should be on the areas of, of your scope and of concern. But every once in a while, take pictures from the outside, around the area, common areas. Ah, recording meetings. Okay, so that's, you got to be careful, right? So we've had some clients come to us and say, well, I recorded this meeting, but no one knows. Well, you can't do that in Florida, okay? So my advice, hold on, my advice is do not record meeting minutes without other people knowing. If you tell people, I would like to record this meeting, and you put your phone out on the table, and everyone agrees, you can record the meeting. Um, will someone come back and say, I didn't know, I didn't agree? Maybe, but it's usually not worth it. Now, some people I know, you know, phones have gotten better. Like, you can turn on an audio recording, and it will transcribe what happened, what, what everyone says. So you may want to use it for that purpose. But if you don't have everyone's permission to record them, you cannot record them. Um, OK, two things, or several things. This is our Lean-O-Matic tool. So I went through the Lean and Bond rules. This is your handy desk tool to tell you what to record and file and when to do it. So you figure out what type of project you're on. You pull down the sheet, 
you line up the arrow to your role, and then in the bottom it'll tell you what you have to record uh, to preserve your lien rights. We do lots of other seminars. We do uh, monthly webinars. Uh, we do them in conjunction with Sunray. This is our 2024 schedule of free webinars. You can sign up and attend those webinars. And then uh, we have live, in-depth lean law seminars. We have February, it's in Boca. April, it's in Fort Myers. May, it's in Miami. And October, it's in Tampa. So all through the Southeast. So if you want to come to those, uh, you can sign up our 2024 Miami Construction Forum calendar. Uh, our goal this year is to use both sides of the room to provide enough valuable information that we can fill up both sides of the room uh, all the time. We have some very interesting presentations. Uh, Jonathan from Alter Surety is going to come and talk about how to get bigger bonds and remove your personal guarantee from your bonding. That's next month. Then we have the building officials from Doral, City of Miami Beach, City of Miami, I think, and Dade County coming to talk about uh, issues involving private providers, inspections, uh, plan review, uh, effective project management in April. We have the folks from Swire, from Moss, uh, and from GT coming to talk about uh, how to manage your job better. We have ways to reduce your, reduce your insurance premiums, uh, some issues with tech. Uh, George, in, in July, is always a popular topic. How, you're fired avoiding employee termination landmines. Uh, I'll speak again in September about lien releases. Uh, and then we end